You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. I'm Justin. I am Jeremy. That is correct. J and J, baby. Yeah. I'll open your eardrums again this week. We're talking about another Jay's movie, James Wan's Malignant, which just landed in the theaters last week, as well as on your television sets on HBO Max. Same day. Um, Not sure if, you know. That's your thing. I know that's how you watch the movie, Jeremy. That so. is. That is. It's a strange thing, though. And ev- even though I did watch it on HBO Max, which is at my disposal, you know, you're paying yeah. for all these subscriptions. They're there. At this point, every network out there is having their own streaming service, and they're trying to put out content that's going to make you subscribe to their specific channel. I get it. Um, it was there. You know, I have a newborn at home. It was it was easier for me to check it out in a timely manner to in order to review it for the show. However, if it was theaters only, I would have gone to theaters and spent money on it. Of course you would. Of course you would. Because you're a horror fan. You're a horror addict. You are the horror god. You would have made your way out there to see it. But on this subject, we haven't really discussed this together. Not you at all. Text, you, you texted this to me last week, and I kept mum about it because I was going to save it for this episode. Halloween Kills just announced that it's going to do same-day streaming on Peacock as their theater release, which you posted a rumor on your Facebook uh, about a month or two ago that it was Netflix. I knew that wasn't going to happen because that wasn't the I bet you they were in the running, though. I bet you there was some bidding going on there. They may have been, but I don't think Universal has a deal with them for I just didn't I didn't expect that to be the deal to be made. So sure. it's Peacock, which I, I did the free trial. Actually, I actually paid for it for one month for the John Wayne Gacy documentary they did, which is actually really really good. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm seeing like, dude, on Twitter, fans are freaking out, and I'm like, why are you mad? You can still see it in the theater, man. Yeah, like, I, I just I think once you start opening up uh, this for these these big screen releases, like we. We talked about it, about the new Texas Chainsaw that's going directly to Netflix. You know, the new Predator movie, which uh, they just announced today, just wrapped filming. Skulls! That is allegedly going straight to Hulu. So, you know, you've got these big event films, right? Like, horror fans, Halloween fans, they want to see Michael Myers on the big screen. And he's going to be on the big screen, right? But Leatherface isn't this time. He's going directly to Netflix. That's sad, bro. That's sad. That's, well, and, and that ugly motherfucker, that Predator. I mean, Dude. there's a reason why he's going straight to Hulu, because the Predator underperformed. I mean, I guess we could say right it now, I know you're excited for it. 
I see, I didn't think so. I, I, mean, I, I had fun with the Predator. I, I had I had fun with it as well, but like seriously, the studio meddling on it, you could see it all over. You could no, see that I know, that, that I know. was not the vision that the director had. But yeah, the whole third act was completely like not even the same movie. No, I, I know what you're saying. No. but I mean. I mean, we got to see like that guy talking shit out of his doorway and get like exploded or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I think it's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, but no, I mean, with Halloween Kills, we all want it to do well. But people are forgetting to realize that when Halloween 2018 made that shitload of money that it made. It and made so much money. In the top five highest grossing horror movies of all time. That was a fluke, man. That was not expected. It was expected to do well, but it just hit and it hit really fucking hard. It showed that audiences really wanted to see Michael Myers back. Yep. But the biggest part of that was that they wanted to see him back with Jamie Lee Curtis against him as Laurie Strode again. And that was really the biggest selling point was her character. And it's already been there. It's just like it chapter two that didn't do as well either. And that was pre COVID. So, I mean, the movie's going to do well. It'll, it'll do well, but this is going to hurt the box office for Halloween, no doubt. Because just like Malignant for me, I would have gone to the theater to see Malignant in theaters and paid to see it if that was one of if that was the only option. If people have the option to sit on their couch and watch Halloween and not have to go to the theaters and not have to, you know, pay the ticket price and the popcorn and XYZ... That's and worry about assholes. Yeah. Like, that, like I like I did for Malignant, which I'll get into during the review. That's 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 exactly what they're gonna do. And the worst part of this all is that you know as well as I do that pirating is a fucking epidemic for, for film companies. Like it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. So now you're going to put a movie streaming where people can just rip that perfect quality and it's gonna go all over every pirate website and people are going to illegally download it and that's also going to hurt the numbers. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm bummed I mean, or, about or, it. Or they could just do the free trial for Peacock during that week and watch it for exactly. free. Exactly. I mean, exactly. If, if they're still offering it. I mean, I guess my view on it in retrospect after dealing with COVID and not being able to go to theaters as often as I normally did during that time period. I'm just happy we're getting it in the theater. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm just happy it's happening. I'm thankful it's happening. I'm thankful the movie didn't get pushed any longer. Like we talked about on our top 10 kills of the Halloween series episode last week. We're just excited that it's happening. So, I mean, it's a thing. And I think people need to be more like aware. And I'm just I'm so glad you said that, though. Because oh. here's some bullshit. Here's some bullshit. Okay. So, okay. David Let's Gordon Green and Blumhouse, they said, listen, you know, no matter what, you know, we're going to hold out because we could have seen Halloween streaming, Halloween kills streaming last, last year. year. Last but year. They said, no, no, no. This is a theatrical experience. This is a theatrical experience. And we're going to, we're going to wait until next year. So that's this year. That's right now. What are they doing? It's still going streaming as well. So I'm, unlike Malignant, I'm going to see my boy Mikey on the big screen opening night or maybe at a critic screening if that's offered to us. Either or, I'm going to see my dude on the big screen probably several times because I saw Halloween 2018 several times on the big screen because as I've stated before, Halloween is my favorite film and my favorite franchise. So I'm going to be there many, many times over, but I'm a little bummed that streaming is is on the table now. 
Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, I think it's just part of the conversation now. I think every single big-budget movie is going to have to have that conversation with the respective studio. It's going to be a normal thing. Um, you know, some of the movies that, that did the same model, like that reminiscence movie with Hugh Jackman, it bombed either way. Like, no one went to see it either way. Brand recognition is going to help a movie like Halloween Kills or any Marvel movie or a Disney movie or literally, like, Unfortunately, Malignant, not part of that conversation because it's an original movie um, that's not part of an existing franchise or series. And we're going to talk about that during the review. But we did mention Halloween, and I did want to make sure our listeners are aware that our promotion, our contest for full-size Halloween Kills theatrical posters is still going on as of this episode. I'm going to try to keep the contest going, Jeremy. Uh, for as many weeks as we possibly can Good. before the release of Halloween Kills. So oh, yeah. in case you didn't listen last week, all you have to do is leave Brain Stew on the Epic Film Guys, an iTunes review. It doesn't even matter if it's like a sentence long. Just say what you think of the show or whatever particular episode you're listening to, and you're automatically entered to win a free full-size theatrical Halloween Kills poster. Oh, free? For free, bro. Halloween swag for free. I'm even paying the shipping price to get it to you safely. Damn, hey, bro, Um, I'll throw a couple dollars at that, man. That's what I'm saying. So, um, (laughs) but no, for real, we've already gotten a bunch of reviews. And at the end of the episode, I may, you know, spew off a few of them. They've been fantastic. I do want to say one of the best ever, like, opening titles of a review I've ever received before. Jeremy, you have to hear this. Hit me. As epic as... As Tom Atkins' mustache. <laughs> Bro, I about weeped in the fucking bathroom while I was taking a shit reading that. I was like, oh my God. I'm finally mentioned in the same context or the same sentence as the legendary Tom Atkins. But, which I hope to meet at a Monster Mania in the next couple of weeks. I've Dude, met him before yeah, twice, he's, he's, but I'm going to meet coming. him again. Same, same, uh, me too. I, I, I think I just need to meet him again. I told the wife, I'm like, you haven't met you haven't met the legend that is the, the almighty Atkins, Dr. Chalice. Let's I mean, do it. Come on. Uh, any convention news? Any convention stuff going on for you? Dude, yeah, so I'm... I'm like you mentioned, I'm I'm doing the the Monster Mania event that Tom Atkins is going to be at. Um, I'm adding Adrian Barbeau and Tom Atkins to my Creep Show poster that is signed by Romero. I I, I contemplated keeping just Romero's autograph on it, but then Ooh, that's a that's a tough decision. I man. I did, but that really I, I added John Amplis to it recently because I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to regret not adding more names to this because I love Creep Show so much. Um, so I did. So I'm going to that Mania, but. I'm super, super, super stoked, man. Um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is a movie that suddenly, out of no action, I'm wearing a Killer Clown shirt right now. Um, <laughs> um, Killer Clowns is is a movie that is is a cult beloved classic, right? But it's a movie that we haven't gotten tons of merchandise and well, Spirit and Man, as you love. said. Bro. Spirit's doing a whole collection, full-size animatronic. The shirt you bought, you got there. They have yep. the fucking masks that are amazing right now. Dude, they're they're incredible. They have a life-size uh, popcorn gun that they're coming out with. It looks incredible. Oh, it looks screen I didn't know that. Dude. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I'll, wow. I'll, I'll text okay. you a picture of it. Aaron sent it to me. It looks amazing. Um, I mean, dude, Killer Clowns is getting so much love right now, and I'm, I, I love it, man. It's such an obscure, awesome movie from the 80s. So Chiller Theater in Parsippany, New Jersey, just announced that they're getting, like, as of right now, I think it's four of the actors that played clowns in the movies. Because 
Grant Kramer, um, he's done conventions before. He played Mike. And then Suzanne Snyder, you know, uh, who is the co-star, she, she's done conventions before. I've met both of them. But the clowns, man, they don't ever get very much love. I've never seen them. There's a couple of them that have done shows, but there's straight up like Shorty is going to be there. Um, a couple of the other clowns are going to be there. So um, I have a full-size Killer Clowns poster that actually you, it, you helped that, me. Yeah, me and Brady, uh, we, we went, when we met the Chioto brothers. Brady. At, 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 at Brady. I know he's listening. Our, yeah, our son. That's our uh, son. Our boy. Yeah, but we, we met the Chioto brothers for the Critter Con. And honestly, that line was mostly filled with Killer Clowns stuff. Oh, People for sure. getting signed. Um, but yeah, man, for sure. And they were amazing, actually. What sucks about that, though, and not to cut you off in your conversation, yeah. is, but they actually screened Killer Clowns like the week before at Mahoning. I'm like, motherfuckers, y'all should have just put that shit together, together. in one weekend. Yeah. And then it, it could have been like a huge extravaganza. But no, That'd be amazing. that's amazing. Yeah. What I love, though, is uh, what you're saying is so correct, is this movie's finally getting so much love dude my kid my daughter kaya actually like on her first day of school came in and showed me her new phone wallpaper and it was a killer clowns piece of art and she was like oh look at my you know like telling me as if i don't know and i'm like i showed you that movie she goes i know that's i know and i'm like holy shit like my kid that's 17 is like down with killer clowns. Dude, that's fucking awesome that's also the last that i heard is that sci-fi channel was working on producing a movie uh, another killer clowns movie that was the that last was that question. i heard yeah. yeah i mean there was a that was a question i heard in that line waiting for their you know the photo in the autograph the entire time and they were just like we'll see it's been discussed we'll see yeah. but they don't have any rights i guess right now in terms of like what happens with it like they Weird. don't have like yes or no we can do this we can't i don't know that's what they were saying so Hopefully it happens, but I wouldn't want to see it happen without them. I mean, those they're no. the brain children behind all of that, man. So that's super sick you're going to meet yeah, them. Yeah, dude, I'm so – so that'll put my – the once I get uh, Su- uh, Suzanne and Grant at Monster Mania on the full size and then I add the clowns at Chiller, that'll be like nine signatures on my Killer Clowns poster, which I never thought that I would have that many signatures Is that going to be poster. enough, though, Jeremy? Knowing never you, enough, is that going to be enough? Never enough, dude. Never enough. I need everyone. Never I, enough. If there was somebody on set handing out tissues because it was cold, sign my fucking poster, bro. You were do, there. Do you, know, do you know who I really wanted to go to Chiller to meet? Who? Can you guess? It's one of the most obscure guests. It's two of them. It's a pair. Dude. I saw it and I was like, motherfucker. Dude, I got... Their their whole guest list is typically Batso. I, I have no idea. Dude. Who is it? Kid and motherfucking play. Oh, that's... House party. <laughs> house yep. party one. House party two. And the worst of them all, House Party 3. Yeah. I love the House Party movies, and, like, I don't know. I was like, holy shit, they're probably wicked cheap, and they're probably super down to earth, and yeah. I would love to. I mean, I just would like it if, I mean, the, the huge flat top came back, or he would, like, put a fake one on for the photo. Yeah. I know that's kind of, like, not a thing, but <laughs> I was like, dude, for real? Kid and play? Yeah, they, dude. Ch- Chiller, I've never been to Chiller. I know you've gotten... So much stuff done there, but I'm like, they always get some really weird, obscure they're, guests, like yeah, they're, random person that was on Night Rider. <laughs> you know, dude, like, they're, okay. they're, their guest lists are so insane, but I will be forever grateful to Chiller because they did a Demons, Lamberto Bava Demons from 1985 oh, reunion. Man. And I got to meet Lamberto Bava and I got to meet uh, Goretta Goretta and Bobby Rhodes and dude. I would have never had that opportunity if it wasn't for them 
because I, I got you got to imagine that the tickets from Italy where Lamberto lives is probably super super fucking insane and expensive. So he doesn't do very many U.S. conventions at all. So super super thankful to so, Chiller. So for not that. only have you met Argento, you've met Baba Mario Bava's son. Yep. Oh man, dude, Lamberto, that's... man, he he's he's one of my favorites, dude. Alone in the Dark is a is a fucking sick ass Jalo film, dude. Oh man, I can't wait for that Alone in the Dark new Shout Factory Blu-ray that's coming. Or is out it a, a bl- no? I'm sorry, a, bl- a Blade in the Dark. I'm sorry, I said Alone uh, in the Dark. Okay. A, bla- a Blade I was in the say, Dark. You see, look, you just confused me. You just confused <laughs> me. Look, not a flub. That's just confusion. But I, I I thought about going because I desperately want to meet my favorite YouTuber, Dinosaur Dracula, and he lives in New Jersey and he's been going to cons. And I'm like. I'll go possibly with just the just come with me, man. Let's go. Uh, Maybe tell your wife you're going to the store. Hop in my car. Store had long lines, like really, really long lines that day. Really, really long lines. (laughs) And then when I come home and I'm like, why do you smell like Tito's vodka and pumpkin spice? What did you do all day? Uh, You're not getting any more action figures next week. No. (laughs) And your hair is cut just like the dude from Kid and Play. (laughs) <laughs> Dude, which I, f- I wanted to do. I did a flat top like six years ago, oh. and I literally, like, everyone hated it. Now, I even got messages from people like, you know, you're my friend and everything. You had beautiful hair. You ruined it. Don't do a flat top. And I was like, ah. you look like you're in the military. I'm like, but I'm trying to be like, you know, early 90s Will Smith Fresh Prince. Oh, my God. That's so but, good. Dude, tell, yeah. tell, tell the audience what picture I just sent you. Okay. Here it is. Probably is that Slothfoot? It's it's if you listen if you listen to last week's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about Jeremy's encounter with uh the legendary, God rest his soul, John Carl Beekler, and his foot, his his bare foot, and uh Jeremy just sent me the photo. Have you received any messages from anyone asking for the No, photo? I haven't, but I'm I'm I was really wondering. I'm trying to make this a thing. Like I've been sending uh that picture over to well, Kellen it's as so well. It's fucking weird, man. It's so fucking weird. It's kind of, like you know, all of his toes are like the Spice Girls. They're all different colors and kind of doing their own thing going in their own directions. I got to say though, I got to say at least they're not those weird, like lined yellow, disgusting, like <laughs> oh, weird dude, toenails, toenails like that fucking are, Frito, like curling potato and, chip, oh, fucking uh, toenails. Uh, I'm gonna throw up over here, but no, I mean, they're, it just looks like he can climb a fucking mountain with those feet. That's uh, like some Kong it's, feet. Or it's some really shit. fucking bad, dude. It's like straight mutant hillbilly feet. I love it. But uh, man, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to this Fresh Frights review. We're gonna take a quick break. For our sponsor, Evil Tea, and I totally forgot to mention this, that before I started having an actual drink drink tonight, I filled up my cup with some Evil Tea jacked up apple pumpkin chai tea. If you want to taste Halloween, you ain't tasted it yet until you had this tea. Limited edition. So when you listen to this promo, You'll get 15% off with promo code BRAINSTEW if you want this. I would highly recommend grabbing it now because it's only for this season. And if you like pumpkin, you like pumpkin spice and apple and chai and black tea, apple pieces and cinnamon, like literally the flavor of our favorite season, you have to try this tea. Absolutely delicious. So we're going to listen to this little promo break and when we come back, 
Jeremy's Adventures. Evil tea. We'll be right back. The Brain Stew Podcast is fueled by our sponsor, Evil Tea, by the Evil Tea Company. Steeped in darkness, Evil Tea brings a sharp and spooky variety of tea flavors, featuring robust and creative blends for all those tea monsters out there. Use promo code BRAINSTEW for 15% off your first order. Check out their website at evilteacompany.com to find the right blend for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and back. We're back. Come on, man. You want to come back? Listen to the brain stew. Come on, you want to come on and listen to Johnny's adventures. Come, come on. on, it's so fantastic. I'm gonna smoke a cigar, you know, all, all that good shit. Thank you for listening to this episode. We love you so, so fucking much. Muchos gracias. Your support, but this is that segment that. You get to hear about Jeremy's adventures. And this one is another one, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I received a photo, because Jeremy's a fucking prick, <laughs> with no no context, just, bloop, ding, my phone pops up in a picture, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So, this is directly related to the movie we're reviewing. It is. It Jeremy. is, like, so much so that I ended up on set of Malignant on accident, so... This was like literally absolute dumb luck. So I'm in California. Um, it's during the Terminator Dark Fate release. You know, I'm a huge Terminator fan, as I've st- said on previous episodes. So I'm there for Terminator Dark Fate. You know, I got to meet Linda Hamilton, uh, Taika Waititi, unrelated to Terminator, but I ended up meeting him while I was out there. Another random meet from that weekend was T.I., the rapper T.I., uh, which is a funny story in itself because literally I was walking down the street and I was like, yo, there's T.I. And I was like, T, can I get a picture with you? And he had a whole entourage and like security guards. And I, I was, there was no way I was just going to walk up to him. And he was like, yeah, man, come on over. So I walked over and he was like, man, who's in, who's over there? Like, who, who y'all waiting for? And I was like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And T.I. was like, oh shit, Arnold Schwarzenegger up in there? So that was super cool. Um, yeah, so I ended up on the set of Malignant on accident, like literally stumbled onto the set. It was uh, a crazy thing. It was awesome. You know, that whole week was was nuts, man. I was uh, I was in town for Terminator Dark Fate, as I've said in previous episodes. I'm a humongous Terminator fan, so I was in town for that. You know, I got to meet Linda Hamilton, uh, Arnold, the whole cast. It, it was great, man. It, Randomly, I met Taika Waititi while I was in town. Uh, he was super nice. I got a picture with him. Um, I met the rapper T.I. That was also super random what? that week. Yeah, dude. I was literally walking down the street. That's and, random. Uh, <laughs> I was I was walking down the street, and it was right next to the hotel that uh, like Arnold and, and such were doing press at. It was the press hotel. And uh, I saw T.I., and I told my buddies. I was like, holy shit, that's T.I. And they were like, who? Because they don't listen to hip-hop. I was like, yo, that's T.I. He had, like, a bunch of 
entourage and security guards and shit. So he was somebody that I was not just going to walk up to. That would have been a bad call. So I called out. I was like, yo, T, can I get a picture with you? And he was like, yeah, come on over, man. So I walked over, got a picture with him. He was super cool. <laughs> and he was like, he he could tell that we were there to get autographs. He was like, man, who, who y'all here for? Who Who's over there? I said, dude, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in there. And he goes, oh, shit, Terminator up in there? So it <laughs> was probably a horrible T.I. impersonation, but in my head, that's how he sounded. But uh, so, dude, yeah, malignant, dude, that is <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, so how, so, did the, how did this happen? Like, yeah, the craziest so, thing ever, right? In, in between the Terminator Dark Fate shit, we had a little bit of downtime. So we're like, well, what do we want to do, man? So we uh, we had already hit up some of the Terminator filming locations. So it, my buddy Devin suggested he was like, hey. Let's go check out the uh, the house, the filming location from Poltergeist 2. I said, shit, I like Poltergeist 2. Let's go check out the house. He was like, yeah, dude, it looks the same. So we go and we get our house. Or we get our house. We get our, we get our picture taken in front of the house, right? <laughs> God is in his holy temple. You know, super creepy, Reverend Kane. And uh, so... After getting our pictures taken at the Poltergeist 2 house, we're looking around and right down the street, we see nothing but production vehicles. We see big, big rigs. We see SUVs. We see lighting equipment. We see camera equipment. We see cranes. Uh, we see people running around with headsets like crazy, like chickens with their heads cut off. And we were like, oh shit, they're filming something over there. So we we walked towards it. We decided to be what uh, is referred to as looky-loos. We're like, yeah, what is that? Let's go check that out. So we walked up, and one of the first things we saw, and I posted a picture of it on my social media, on the side of this big rig vehicle, it said, Jalo Films. And I was like, okay, well, Jalo is a type of, like, Italian slasher film, right, where typically... The killer is not revealed until, you know, the very final reels or final scene of the movie. Typically, you know, the killer's hand will be showcased throughout the movie or the silhouette. With a black glove. A black glove. Yeah, with with a black glove. And a basic basic blade, right? Yep, basic blade. Um, That's a Giallo film, right? So we were like seeing Giallo on the side of this vehicle. I was like, oh, fuck. Well, most likely this is going to be a horror film. So thank God for the internet. You know, our little pocket computers. We pull out my phone. I put in Giallo Films. Pops up, James Wan Production Company. And I was like, oh, fuck. What? James James Wan is filming something. So we went on his IMDb next, as you do. And it was untitled. It was an untitled horror project from James Wan is what it was referred to at that moment. So I'm like, dude, James Wan is somewhere on this street filming so of we course, walk. Of course, you would say that. James fucking Wan, which, dude, Conjuring Two is one of my favorite movies of like the past like fifty. Me years. too, man. Me too. It's, I love it. I adore it. It's it's a terrifying movie. It literally scared me in theaters. James Wan scared me, which is, you know, I've been watching horror films since I was a little kid. It's it, that's a hard thing to do, and he did it. Um, I love the guy's movies, so it's almost like. I know we're going to get into the review in a little bit, but it was almost like this movie, Malignant, I was predetermined to love from day one, right? So we walk down the street and we see this tent that they're doing lunch. They're setting the lunch up and we can tell that no one's eaten yet. They're just setting it up. And I was like, oh shit, they're about to go on lunch. 
So we literally wait, I'm not joking, 10 minutes, and people start walking off set, walking down the street. And so my buddy Devin was like, James will be the last one to arrive. The director is always last to leave the set. And so, cool. So we wait. And I'm like, dude, I'm like so anxious. I'm like watching. I mean, dude, there's dozens and dozens of people walking off of this set. And I'm like, is that him? Nah, fuck, that's not him. Is that him? Nah, fuck, that's not him. Finally, the last person in the line, I was like, dude, there he is. There's James friggin' Wan. Right, so he walks up. So he's an, he's an Asian dude that I believe grew up in Australia. He's got an Australian accent. Um, so he walks up, and so it's me, my buddy Devin, and my buddy Aaron. And so we were like, "Hey, James, we're tremendous fans of yours. Can we get a picture with you?" And he looked so confused, and he goes, "How did you know we were here? No one even knows we're filming this thing. We haven't even really announced this thing." <laughs> He asked. He he was so curious. Like, how the fuck did you? I can know only we imagine his face. I can only imagine the expression. Yeah, he face. looked so he looked so confused. He was like, "How the fuck did you know we're here?" And so we pointed to the Poltergeist house. We were like, "Listen, man, we're horror movie fans. That's the house from Poltergeist too. We just came here to get a picture in front of it and saw that you guys were filming. We googled Giallo Films and saw it was your name, and we waited, man. We've only been here for like ten minutes, and I swear to God on my life, Justin, he went." Oh, that's fucking rad. Hell yeah, let's get a picture, man. Let's get a picture. So we, we got a picture with him. And so I had a, like a blank, you know, 11 by 17 poster print. You know, it's just blank. And I was like, hey, man, I, I would hate myself if I didn't get your autograph. Would you mind signing this? He was like, oh, yeah, man, for sure, for sure. He was like, guys, it was great meeting you. You know, thanks so much. Have a great day. And went in to get his fucking bowl of chili or whatever they were having. It smelled, it smelled delicious, but dude, yeah, it was so random. So before we left, like I got, there was some, um, the film took place in Seattle and there were some police cars that, that said Seattle police that I, I, I took a, you know, my picture in front of, and we walked down the, you know, up and down the street that they were filming on. What's crazy is that one of the victims in the movie, uh, it was, a a blonde woman, if I'm not mistaken, so she had the back the back of her head bashed in and like there was brains exposed. So like she was like walking in the fucking tent to get her bowl of chili or whatever they were eating. And I'm like, dude, the makeup looks so rad. It literally looked like her brain was hanging out of her head. And I was like, you know what? You get that bowl of chili. You you earned that today. You earned that. So yeah, man, that's that's how I ended up on the set of Malignant and got my picture with James Wan and got my autograph is it was all by chance. It was really crazy, but super, super stoked, man. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, uh, he's one of those that hasn't done conventions. He doesn't do, I haven't seen anyone talk about him doing signings or anything like that. He no. should, because I know he would do really well. I know there are a lot of big fans oh, of his movies. Um, but that's very rare. And I noticed when Cavity Colors posted your photo with all of you guys, I retweeted it on the Twitter because it's such a amazing photo of you guys like you can you can tell how surprised you all are to be like wow we didn't even we're at the fucking poltergeist two house and we're in a photo with james wan like 10 james wan yeah so that's that's that was my reaction of course when you set you you texted me the picture later that day um i think that that was either preceding or followed by a a photo of you and billy zane wearing a derby cap or something and i was like (laughs) Okay, now I'm impressed. 
Um, L.A. is a wild place, man. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's that's an amazing story. So as always with Jeremy's adventures, they're always random and crazy. And it only could happen to you, right? I, it feels I hope that so, way man. to me. I hope, I hope so. You know, a couple people tell me, they're like, man, you have the best luck. Sometimes, man. Sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes. So. Again, and we'll keep bringing this up, not to be a nail in your side or thorn in your side, per se. Uh, when Stephen King Fair comes up, we'll, we'll, oh. we'll, be, we'll, we'll be bringing that one up. But ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this shorter segment of Jeremy's Adventures. We're going to hop into a quick promo break. And when we get back, it's a Fresh Frights brain stew review of Malignant. Harugosaki. We'll be right back. What up? This is Dina Marie, the host of the Twisted Philly podcast. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome, Welcome to, to Twisted, Twisted Philly. Philly. You don't have to be from Philadelphia or Pennsylvania for that matter to get into this show. You just need to like some seriously weird, twisted shit. Plus, listening to me gush about the places I love to go, the history I love to tell, and the really sick, twisted crimes we've had going on here since back in the Victorian era. So come sit a spell with me in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. You can find me on iTunes and all the other major podcast apps. And welcome back, all you gore hounds, to another Fresh Fright Reviews of James Wan's Malignant. So what is Malignant about? I will tell you. Malignant is about Madison, who is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. So right off the bat, Justin, I'm going to tell you, my least favorite kind of movie is the kind of movie that the director and the writer plays with the audience of, is this really happening or is it in this person's head? I fucking hate those kinds of movies. When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh no, don't, don't do this to me. Um, I, I feel like they didn't toy with that, with that too much. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the first thing that needs to be discussed, I think, before we even get into any of this sure. is the fact that this film was marketed as an, it's an original movie. This is not part of a, a franchise that's already existing. It's not a sequel. It's not a reboot. It's just a James Wan original. And the trailer doesn't really give you much as to what the film is supposed to be, um, you know, we had heard that it's supposed to be a giallo type of movie based on his comments, yep. but but he also said he wanted to make a genre bender or a genre blender, if you will. Um, and I won't lie to you, man. The first time I saw the trailer, I was kind of like, okay, because they only released the trailer like a month or so ago. It was like a month and a half. And I remember yeah. Joe from Movie Dumpster uh, commented on our tweet about it like, uh, not what I was expecting or hoping for, but okay. And that's the comment I've seen so many people say. Yeah. But most of them, and we'll get to this by the end of the review, end up being pleasantly surprised. There was a lot of secretive things about the way that Warner Brothers marketed this movie. It was very secretive. They didn't really want you to know much about it at all. 
Uh, what the funny thing is about it that I, I found after watching it, Jeremy, is that if you looked at the actual title of the movie, you yeah, could have connected yeah. the dots a little yeah, bit. Um, yeah. But that, but that, that's how. I mean, and no offense to any of our listeners, including myself. I'm not even. I'm just saying, uh, I'm dumb too. You know, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I didn't connect. No it. argument there, Justin. But, but how did you feel about, I mean, Dude, you know, the tr- we'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Is, we'll, get, we'll get into the movie, but in terms of the marketing, though, first, like in terms of how low profile and how small scale it was. I th- I, I believe the studio was not very confident in this movie. Um, the marketing was very minimal, which I mean, horror fans are discussing it. In fact, I mean, dude, all over social media, it's all people are talking about horror fan wise is, is this movie. And it's, it's literally divided right down the middle. Either people oh, it are is. It absolutely is. loving it or they're absolutely hating it. But I'll just tell you, you know, you, you talked about the first time that you saw the trailer. This was 100% T totally not what I expected when I saw the trailer. And I feel like because of my experience, you know, stumbling on the movie when it wasn't even announced yet, like people didn't even know he was filming this thing. I found out about it kind of at the ground level before most people. Um, I, I had a certain expectation towards it. And then, you know, Giallo Films. And in his interviews, he said, you know, it's my take on the Giallo. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. We're going to get a James Wan slasher flick. Like, a James Wan, dark, brutal Which is something flick. we've never gotten. We've never... No. I mean, he's, a, he's the king of... You know, he created, in essence, the torture porn. Yep. You know. With Saw. Yep. With Saw. With Lee Winnell. And then he is like the innovator for the modern Haunted House flick. I mean, oh, for sure. He, he's, he, there is nobody better in the game nobody, right now. Nobody. At building tension and creepy atmosphere and huge scare payoffs than James Wan. Period. Yeah. My dream is for James Wan to write and direct a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like that is my dream. I think there is nobody better on the planet. So, to so make it, I th- another I think, Nightmare on Elm to, Street. I, film. Yeah, you, you need to tell our listeners. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is obviously a full spoiler review. This is what we do on this show. We're, we're not holding back at all. But Jeremy, you had you had this whole theory. A crazy that ass didn't, wonky it, theory. It, it, it didn't, didn't play out. out. It didn't. It, it didn't. It, it, but 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 tell our listeners what you thought this was. If my theory would have <laughs> would have played out and been real, it would have blown people's minds. So this is a Warner Brothers film, correct? That is so, correct. Warner Brothers owns New Line. New Line owns Freddy. So Warner Brothers owns Nightmare on Elm Street. Well. Nightmare on Elm Street, the rights reverted back to Wes Craven's estate. I think we also discussed that recently. So, it's a fact that Wes Craven's family has met with writers and directors that have been pitching a new Elm Street movie. So, they're in charge of that. So, they kept this movie so hush-hush. Like, do you remember a couple years ago when all of a sudden it was announced, like, Victor Crawley... You know, Hatchet 4 had been filmed completely in secret, and it was already done, and it was yeah, coming out. I remember. Like, dude, mind-blowing. So I was like, I told you, I was like, bro, like, the fact that they don't show the killer in the trailer, and that there's obviously some dream-like stuff happening, I was like, wouldn't it be the biggest fucking M. Night Shyamalan twist if this movie is actually a reboot or continuation of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and it's a Freddy movie, but they're not releasing that in the marketing. And then, 
And then it the, it further fueled the flames when James Wan made a tweet that he was like, don't spoil the end of the movie. Don't spoil the twist. And I was like, yo, this is going to be a Freddy movie. Like, which I think would be brilliant it, to do something it, it like that. It would have been. I would have been. And, and, and imagine the fan reaction walking out of the theater and, and the amount of publicity it would get. And in terms of like Twitter reactions and social media, people would be freaking the fuck out. That's the only problem is that no one would be able to shut the fuck up about it. It would have been the cat out of the bag immediately or the claw, you know. But I think you know, I think that would have worked. Yeah, I think I think that would have worked in their favor because even with people spoiling the twist, people would rush out to the theater like I got to see this secret Freddy Krueger movie. So Warner Brothers, if you are listening, you should do that because I feel like that'd be really rad. Um but well, they need to do something with that franchise, but that's a discussion for a whole other whole, whole other I mean, time. But, so, but, but I mean, I mean, you, you were correct in thinking how amazing that would be, though. Like that would be the right man to be behind the camera for oh, something like that. I, I need that in my life. So the trailer did not blow me away. I didn't love it whatsoever. I just said, OK, well, there's that. And what's funny is that Devin and Aaron, you know, we all talked about it and both of them had the same response was. All right, well, that wasn't what we expected, but hopefully there's a reason that they didn't show very much in the trailer. It's because they want to blow us away with the movie. And uh, so I watched I watched it. I woke up at 5.30 in the morning on a Saturday to watch the movie before my kids woke up, before my wife woke up, so I could have some, some me time to watch Malignant and, and complete you know, silence and give it my, my full attention. And I, I did. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Justin, I was predetermined to like this movie because it's James Wan, right? I I've intentionally not posted anything on any of my social media. Cause I, I wanted to have this conversation with you, but I have to tell you that with every fiber of my body, I fucking hated this movie. Oh my God. I hated it, man. I hated it. Like I, I, I I appreciated elements of it. Like, first off, I'll just go ahead and tell you that um, Gabriel's weapon of choice was his doctor's trophy that he broke and he sharpens down. Right? Oh, I love it so much. I, I love that. I love a trophy, that. A trophy that says excellence inscribed on it. I, I love that so much. I love, I do love the giallo moments that he incorporated in. However... This and this is what pisses a lot of fans off is you can't say like, for instance, you can't say, well, this is a ghost movie and only have a few little glimpses of a ghost throughout the the film. Well, that's not, that's not really a ghost movie. I guess there's a couple little ghosty things, but that's not a ghost movie. So that's the same thing as this. He, he billed this as his version of a giallo. However, it did not have enough of the tropes or the payoff. That, that horror fans that wanted that were expecting. Like, he he kind of billed it as that, and I don't think that's what we got. Um, we got things that were inspired by that. We had some Argento color schemes going on, which I thought were great in some of the scenes. Like, in the first scene, when they're in the hospital, there's some of the reds going on, the deep deep reds, if if you will. Of course. <laughs> for, for, for Argento. And I, I think the look of the killer was absolutely fine. Uh, his let's I'll just tell you this right now. The kills are fucking incredible. Yeah, which right? we'll get to. We'll get to the kills. Oh, yeah. for sure. The kills were absolutely incredible. The killer looked cool. His weapon looked cool. Everything else 
I, I hated with every ounce of, of my body, man. Okay, it, well. It, it fell apart for me, dude. Th- th- this Not is crazy. Me. This is crazy because this is the first time on this segment where we are going to be completely opposite. I fucking loved this movie. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start off with a quote uh, from James Wan in terms of the Giallo influence. There's no denying the fact that I have always been a big fan of Italian horror films. And yes, this movie has the aesthetic of a Giallo movie of the likes of the Bavas and the Argentos of the world. Because of the nature of the movie, you're naturally going to compare it to things that Cronenberg has done as well. I can't pinpoint it. Let's say one inspiration. I would say it's a combination of things. He led on after that to say everything. He was just trying to make a genre bender or a genre blender. It really is a blender of a whole bunch of stuff that influenced me over my years growing up and loving these kinds of movies. And for me, my reaction was this. The man made a billion dollar movie with what is Aquaman, right? It's a great movie. And after that movie, Jeremy decided to take a chunk out of his life to make this Littered with camp, schlocky as all hell, but frightfully scary and delightfully gory and ultra fucking violent. Mega violent, dude. It was a fucking blast. The performances were over the top and at times very silly, but Malignant presented us with something we haven't seen hit the genre in a long time. A fun, unapologetic and original concept that is a tribute. I would say a tribute, not an homage not a direct representation of one individual genre, but a, a tribute to the films that we don't get much appreciation for anymore. The Wes Craven's shockers of the worlds, if you will. The Black Sheep. The movie knocked it out of the park in every single way because what it is, he just was allowed to make whatever he wanted to make and he made it. And for me, there's so much about this movie that hit so hard that I, I I mean, like what do I watch for comfort food after I record this show? What do I watch for comfort food? When I'm feeling down, I make sure to find myself a shitty or tongue in cheek horror movie. If you're looking at a giallo logically, and I know a lot of people are calling this, they're saying this is not one. Sure. I get it. It's in terms of purity, It's not 100% one thing or the other, but I love that it melds so many different influences together and the fact that it has the tongue planted firmly in the cheek. Dude, this movie felt like James Wan took a million dollars out of his bank account and all of that went to the digital effects and some of the props and prosthetics and then went, oh fuck, I don't have any money to pay the actors. Well, shit. And it was like he went down to the local YMCA and held auditions with 30 people and had to cast all 30 people that showed up. Only 30 people showed up to this audition and he had to cast them because he had no choice because he needed to fill the roles. That's what this movie felt like to me, bro. Well, well, that's what it felt like. But if you so any any person that's watched any Giallo movie knows that the acting is not the fucking strong suit of whatever that movie may be. It never has been. 
Acting is not a big part of those movies. In if, fact, if in this fact, was a true Giallo film, then I, I I could have forgiven that. But it wasn't. It was billed as something that we did not receive with uh, I bad don't think, acting, man. But but, I, but here's the thing, though. It's billed. I will have to disagree with you. It's billed as whatever people are calling it. He never said this is a straight fill in the blank movie. Sure. Not not out of his mouth. Based on the quote I just read to you, what he was trying to make is just like a combination of things that he loved in movies that do, they don't get much love. The schlock, the tongue in cheek. The I appreciated a lot of it, but as but, a whole, it, it, but, it was it was horrible for me. Horrible. I can't um, believe I can't dude, believe you're saying I, horrible. I, 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 un- I when, understand. I mean, dude, put it this way. His his character development in this movie was so paper thin that. You don't really know very much about these characters at all. It was like, okay, here's, you know, this batshit crazy opening scene with, dude, it was like the actors in that opening scene didn't get any direction. Like, none of them knew what kind of movie they were making, so some of them were playing it straight. Some of them were going over the top. Oh, no, they're was, all over the top. I mean, dude, dude the, it, the it whole, was ridiculous. The whole, the whole movie, we're following Madison's story, and it develops... From point A to point B to point C, and very thinly end, though, but, very thinly. But dude, you're 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 coming at this being anti. It's not full giallo when giallo films are at their core thin on character and full on visual and sound and all of the you know the amount the of times that aspects. I the amount of times that I rolled my eyes in this movie like come the fuck on, dude. The moment that the that the husband was sitting, the husband, um, uh, what was, uh, it was Jake Abel, who, and he played Derek Mitchell. Um, the moment that Derek Mitchell was, he's introduced sitting on the bed in their bedroom, watching UFC, <laughs> and just... He's a fighting boy. He's a, this dude, abusive relationship. Yeah, she's married oh to my a bro, God. bro. She's married to yeah. a bro, bro. Dude, the moment... That he was introduced sitting on the bed like like a fucking slub, you know, watching UFC. I was like, oh well, he he's gonna be an abusive asshole. And uh, sure what enough, are you trying he, to say? I'm sure some of our listeners watch UFC. <laughs> no, from, just from, it, <laughs> it was it was the way they portrayed him though. Was no, no, so for fucking, I, mean, I mean, he's he's douchebag of the top level, which again, all of these characters in this movie are specifically written as archetypal characters they're not meant to be taken seriously it's the literally movie the movie itself is not meant to be taken seriously it's meant from the get-go to fool you or to actually not fool us but but fool the ga into thinking oh this is just a bad movie but what he's doing is taking the elements and we can go through i've got so many examples of this going through all of the tropes of the bad movies we love the movies that you have on your shelf, almost all of them, by the way, mm-hmm. and and just doing it in a serious manner, but like showing you, they and they playing, this, playing this is what it. I'm talking about the character development though is they had hardly even introduced Madison when she shows when she shows up home from work and is like oh I'm not feeling good and then all of a sudden the husband's like well you're pregnant blah 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 and the next thing you know he's just like fucking bashing her head into the wall to him like. Okay, so like there was no time in between of like building up this 
this crazy relationship that they have just off the bat. It was just like, oh, I'm home from work. And husband's like, I'm watching UFC. He did say he's trying to stop drinking. So maybe he's in withdrawal. It's like his second day, dude. I'm just dude, saying. It was. So I just, I, I rolled my eyes at that. And like the first scene was what really put me off. Cause I was like, okay, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a comedy. I don't know if this, what this is supposed to be because the tone and the way that the different actors were all playing off each other differently. I didn't know what I was in store for. Next thing you know, I'm watching a scene where this this woman is getting her head smashed against a wall from her husband. Yes. But but I'm for like, me, I'm like, okay. we, we, we have to go before that, Jeremy. We have to we have to start from the beginning, right from the get-go. For me, this immediately felt like a Dark Castle entertainment movie. It felt like the opening shot of this giant gothic the Simeon Research Hospital was giving me like straight up House on Haunted Hill remake vibes. Like you can tell right from the get-go with that musical sting that this, this thing is prepping you for a fun time. Please don't go in there. He'll kill you. When when the line is delivered like that purposefully, I know what I'm in for. I'm like, yeah. I'm, it, this was not meant to be like, we're doing a serious movie here. But they're, they're, then the next moment, it will be serious with people playing it straight. So, like, if you're going to do that. I didn't I, see I that. Feel, I didn't see it. But. If you're going to do that, I feel like be consistent. And so at least I know what I'm watching. Um, You know, when you're watching a trauma movie, they make sure you know you're watching a trauma movie. Uh, This one, I was like, okay, is this supposed to be a comedy? Like, what is this? So, uh, did, did not did not dig this thing from the very beginning, but I gave it a, a chance. And like I said, I I did not overall enjoy this movie. And I'm, I'm letting you know that now rather than wait to the end, because I feel like I can't. Well, I can't. No, this is, this is our initial thoughts section or whatever, but yeah, I, mean, I, I, well, I can't, we, we can talk about, <laughs> we can talk about the elements of what this movie is, but like, yeah. I'm actually outright shocked I'm not yeah. appalled, but I'm yeah. shocked that that you, especially like with with your knowledge of the like the history of this genre, didn't pick up on. Like I did not. It's it's not that I didn't pick up on. I just didn't like what what was you know right. But I mean, like was given to I, me, I, I I didn't feel at all that it was misdirecting in any way. I felt like from the get go. It told you what it was supposed to be, and throughout the whole entire thing, it conveyed that and continued like that tone. I didn't feel like anybody else was was off par with anybody. I mean, like, the acting throughout the entire movie. Let, let's just make it clear: uh, Annabelle Wallace as Madison, totally over the top. I mean, the wigs in this shit are <laughs> the worst wigs you've seen in a movie Ever. since like Halloween two. But. <laughs> For real, though. Since Jamie Lee's wig in Halloween, too. This yeah. shit is intentional. Like, it's not like they were like, yo, we're, we're, we're going to do this movie, and which looks gorgeous. It's it's by far one it of looks, the most it looks vis- beautiful, yeah. visually stunning movies I've seen all year long. But if that, was their, if that was their intention, Justin, why did they play it straight in the trailers? Like, this was a straight up, like, intense Well, well because, film. because... The reason for that is they don't want to scare the serious horror fans off. I think the one thing that I didn't happen to mention here is that I think everything about this movie felt like it was made by a horror fan for horror fans from concept to execution. You know, it's 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 again appreciating those movies that are part of the genre that don't get appreciated. Like a few, I mean, okay. 
So not to babble on, but even if you're going to consider and compare it to Giallo films, I'd say nine out of 10 of those movies that I'll watch are not good movies. They look good. There's a good score and the kills are cool, but the movie will start with a character that we don't give a fuck about. And that character will go throughout the entire movie and we're supposed to follow them. But because it's old and from the 70s or 80s and it's made by someone that has an iconic name behind them, we just follow through with it and go, oh, it's good. Think about the shitty movies Wes Craven made. Think about the shitty movies. I mean, Argento's made bad movies too. A lot of them, actually. So I think people are forgetting. I mean, when they're holding up this certain genre so high above their head, Juan just took what he loved about all those movies and just planted them into this. Yeah, but the difference is is that, you know, and and I'll I'll use, you know, even though Suspiria is not necessarily a giallo film, um, it has some of the tropes. I think it is. I think think it is. That's always been debatable. But, you know, you look at, at Jessica Harper's character, Susie Bannon, in, in Suspiria, right? And you give a shit about that character. Like, yeah, but no, little you're, you're, to no backstory, though. The movie opens and she just gets in, uh, from the airport into the she's car. A, she's a fish she, out of water. She, she's yep. a dancer. She's just going to go to dance school. We don't really know much about her backstory at all. And we still don't find out much but about you, her backstory. You still, yeah, you learn more throughout the film. She's a fish out of water. And she's but, having but, but, a hard but, time but adjusting movie, with these girls. But this I, movie gives you a whole fucking backstory and every fucking detail of what this Madison Mitchell met. is not likable. She's not a likable character. She's given no story development to make me care about How her does whatsoever. she not get any story development if you see her childhood? You see that she's had these problems throughout her whole life. She's got an abusive husband. She just wants to have a fucking kid. What's more relatable than that? You know, like, I'm just saying, like, they, they, they I mean... For, Her for character some, did nothing for me, and she was the lead. That makes sense. But to say that a character like the one in Suspiria has more development, or it's just not fair, it's not true. It's she not had a vulnerable. Susie Bann and Jessica Harper had a vulnerable quality, like like a Laurie Strode quality that you want to take care of, and you don't want them being thrust into you know peril and to. The horrible things that could happen to them. To I See, didn't to me, feel like that. To me, for, this for is her. more more about the mystery aspect of what this movie is trying to convey. Sure. Like what's really happening. Like the intrigue of it. I'm not. I mean, I'm not as necessarily concerned with like, yo, what happened to her in third grade, dude? Did someone like put worms in her fucking sandwich at lunch or something? Like, I don't care as much about that. But I think we need to move on from the the initial. Can I ask you a question? Let me sure. ask you a question. Sure. Have sure. you ever met anyone in your entire fucking life named Kakoa? Why is there someone named Kakoa in this fucking movie? That was another thing. And like when he would say his name, he, he would say his first and last name, but it sounded like one word. He was like, hey, I'm Kakoa Shaw. I was like, is this motherfucker's name Kakoa Shaw? What? Bro, what? He, he's Asian? That may be like, I don't know. (laughs) He's Asian. So I don't know what part of Asia he's, you know. I literally paused the movie because I watched it on HBO Max. And I was like, I got to look at the IMDb because is his first name Kakoa Shaw? Because that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But it's Kakoa Shaw. Yeah. He was maybe the most, one of the most likable characters in the film. And he, he, very little development on his end as well. But at least, you know, he played it straight. 
and he was somewhat engaging, and I think he did. He gave a great performance. See, for I, I, what I, he I, had. I, I love what you're saying, and this is so exciting for me that on this brain stew segment we're actually disagreeing because I didn't think he played it straight at all. He fell in yeah. line with everybody else. He's like, dude, you see his fucking abs showed in this movie. He's like standing up there, and he's like, he's tongue and cheeking it like a motherfucker. He ate some Kraft macaroni and cheese before he was shooting those scenes. Um, but I mean, going back to the beginning of this thing. You got to think, man. We're seeing straight up brutality. This guard getting his arm Oh, the kills snapped. are fucking awesome. You're seeing this creature like humanoid through this medical tarp. And you're like, what the fuck is this? From that moment, seeing that practical effect, my eyes were wide. And then the credits hit and boom, I was ready for a ride. I mean, you got to start from the beginning and just kind of delve yourself into this movie um, more, like, more like a car accident, not a ride, but go ahead. Sorry. A very fun one. <laughs> I broke my fucking arm, bro, but it was fun. Um, no, but I get what you're saying about the characters. And I do have to respect, you know, the differing opinions on this that I think that it will either work for people or it won't. And I think it's that kind of movie. Um, I'm just, again, I'm going to keep going back to it. I'm shocked it didn't work for you because I felt like in terms of character, if you compare this again, if we're going to keep comparing it to a Giallo movie and I'll try not to do it as much because I won't even lie to you, Jeremy. I don't think the Giallo influences were all that much really there. No, Um, a couple uh, shots with the gloved hand and with, with the murder weapon. That was, that was roughly when he was sharp, when he was sharpening his blade, That was a giallo shot. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, th- there's some shots that look like it. There's some close-ups that those those really wide pans that go into like super close-up that are giallo. It's very influenced by the look and stuff, um, but it definitely it's not a full giallo movie. And I knew no. that from the get-go, so I was kind of like accepting of that right from the beginning. But the opening of the movie gives us traditional one haunted house atmosphere, jumps and jolts. And I love how it leads us down that path trying to, like, convince the GA audience that it's just more of the same from Juan. But the man is a mathematician in terms of calculating his scares. As you said perfectly uh, in the beginning of this conversation, he's always been one of the most precise. And he shows that throughout this entire movie. Um, Whether you like the characters or not, like, let's face it. How many movies, Jeremy, how many horror movies do you and I both love? where almost all of the characters are paper-thin archetypal characters. I mean, that that's I'm not even going to dispute that whatsoever. But me, in the current, in the present, I just did not enjoy what was presented in front of me. It was not a dish that I ate and enjoyed. It was a dish that I would have sent back to the chef because it was not for me. Oh, damn. Well... Let's get into the let's get into some of the other elements of the movie right now. The kills, because it seems like that's oh. something you did like. And I think that was 100 percent one of the strong suits of the movie. Also, something we've never seen Juan really do. I mean, Saw was one thing, but we've never seen straight on like head on motherfucker getting his face turning into meatloaf type of kills like we saw here. Dude, it was a brutal ride. I mean, I, I will give it that. Uh, as far as delivering on the gore 
and the kills, this movie absolutely delivers. And like I said in the very beginning, I think the killer looks cool. I think the weapon is fucking awesome. I think the way the killer moves is fantastic and very original. I've never seen anything like that before. Juan excels at all of those things in this film. I, Dude, another thing that I love is that the character Gabriel, who is the killer in this film, I love that he was nesting nesting in Madison's own house right above her and she had no idea like he had abducted people and hid them in her house and she he, had he no ab- idea he, so ladies and gentlemen spoiler alert like I said he abducts his own birth mother and when he puts her into this location and like basically hangs her from this roof the ceiling yeah it looks like it's like some industrial plant or something but later on in the movie we find out it's Madison's attic in the house. I love and that. I, I I can't believe I didn't pick up on that because when you look at the outside of the house, you can actually see that it's part of the architecture of the house with that yeah. window or whatever, but it's like with the little fan going craziness, craziness there. But yeah, I mean, the vision. I love that. Thing. I love that. And oh. it was, it was shot beautifully as well. You know, if, if I had the capability of going in and changing the things that I wanted to change, you know, like I, I would have changed, like I said, some of the character things, uh, playing it straight. And I would have kept everything else the same, man. Like the, the kills are fantastic. I should have loved this movie just on these things. I, alone. You should have you. I mean, knowing <laughs> you, I, 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 that's why I'm shocked, but such a great conversation though, because I, did not expect this reaction, and yeah, and how, which how is ama- why I haven't posted anything. How, how amazing is it that you didn't actually tell me? Yeah, oh, anything, it was very tempting. Anything it was very other tempting, than, other than you were like excited to talk about it. But I got I got to pinpoint a few other elements before we get down to the nitty gritty, and then obviously our our rating of the movie. I felt like the score by Juan alumni Joseph Bishara, Insidious, The Conjuring. I mean. Dude even did Aquaman. The way the high strings wail and reverberate with a touch of carpenter synth throughout while also taking the time not only to enhance, but yet poke fun at some of these scenes here. Like literally there are stings in this movie, like musical stings that are there purposefully to make fun of the scene. What an old school slasher would do to try to enhance the scene and scare you He's doing to do that on top of like, hey, I know this is funny where there's like a really loudly where you see like a a large sharp blade shining with a sparkle on top of it. Uh, I thought it was amazing and hilarious. Did you pay it? Yeah, the the score, dude, there was there was some really, really great stuff in there. In fact, um I believe it was the main theme. It it almost gave me some It Follows vibe. Oh, definitely. It's not, there, there, there's That's a very modern take on what they were trying to go for. I, I heard some It Follows. Um, but tell me this, though. Is it is it just me, or does James Wan have like a true knack for choosing houses he knows will instill iconic imagery? I mean, I know there's like a ton of establishing shots of this house, but during the day, at night, 
at night with some fog around it, but I want to fucking live in this house, man. It looks we awesome. We rarely see modern horror movies portray this kind of legendary, you know, imagery with in terms of houses. Like, think about Amityville. Think about Halloween. Think about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Think about all those iconic movie houses. And we just really don't get them anymore. He did that with The Conjuring. And he's doing it again here. It looks amazing. Yeah, I'm... Whoever, whoever his location scout is, whether he's heavily involved in that or he's got his guy, they they knock out the locations out of the park. I mean, from from the house to uh, some of the uh, abandoned places that, that they run through. Um, like the underground Seattle scene? Like, like, like the underground Seattle scene. Like, dude, all that stuff is absolutely creepy, creepy and eerie. I, fantastic. I mean... The locations were great. You know, it seemed like they spared no expense for the locations of this movie. I think the expense was spared on the actors. Okay, so, well, <laughs> well, 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 listen, again, I thought the acting was on par with what they were trying to do. That's you fair. Know, you but, know who but was I great? Think, but, I, but I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong, but that's fine. That's okay. Uh, you know who was great? Was McKenna Grace. And she's she's great in everything that, that she's in. She played young Madison. Um, she's in the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. Uh, she, much like uh, Joseph Bashara, um, she is a Juan regular. She was in Annabelle Comes Home. Um, she was fantastic, man. Um, the scenes that she was in as young Madison, I felt like were some of the strongest acting moments of the film. Well, I, yeah, I, I loved that scene where she's in her room and she's on that the very 90s fucking phone that you can see is like that see-through 3D phone where it's like lit up at the end and you're like, everyone had that phone in the 90s. Everyone had that phone. There was, was like, awesome. There, there was like three girls I banged in high school that all had that same phone. That was that was, that was was the lit phone. That phone is lit, doll. But, Literally, because uh, it lit up. There are, two, there are two scenes that I have to bring up to you. Uh, the jail scene, which is one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. I knew this was a big setup considering the size of the set because we could see how wide the shots were. You're like, okay, they're going to do something big in here because number one, it's a big set. Number two, uh, real jail cells, they don't put that many people in jail cells like that. It felt like an old Western where they're like, was like <laughs> let's put let's put like 50 people in. Or like Death Wish 3 when Paul Kersey gets stuffed in that jail cell and immediately they try to beat his ass. Dude. Did you recognize? Did you recognize any one of the prisoners that was in there with her? Oh, you're one, one, one jumped out of the screen at me, and I was you're, like, "You're oh. gonna make me think hard." I didn't. It was. I, didn't. I was. I was the the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like pointing at the at the TV. That was me. <laughs> I was like, "Oh!" So uh, Zoe Bell from Death Proof was like no the main. Shit. She was like the main. Antagonist in that person, scene. Antagonist, oh, yeah. oh yeah. no, shit! I didn't even realize that. Oh my god. Yeah, that was her. That was her. So I was like, oh shit, there's Zoe Bell. That's that's awesome. That scene reminded me. It was like a slasher version of the police station scene from the Terminator. Like, well, I dude, mean, well, well, just, well, 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 dude. I know, I'm I'm so happy you said that because leading on at well, number one, that the jail scene with arms ripping through chests. Head smashed into the ground, necks twisted and arms snapped and skulls crushed. And then shortly after that, we do get an homage to the Terminator with a cop station scene that was definitely fan service, but I loved every second of it. It's like 
Gabriel goes into this police station and brutally murders a whole police force. Mows everybody down. That that was fantastic. I again, I've got no qualms with any of the action or the killing or the gore. I've got no qualms whatsoever. Or any of the stuff that actually counts in this kind of movie. I so got let's, I got let's, I got to bust your ball. I have to bust your balls because it's like what really makes this movie is the elements that are the strongest and I didn't yeah, like no, the I, characters. I I I liked like I said in the beginning, I liked a lot of things about this movie, but I did not like this movie. Uh so let's just get into to the full spoiler, right? So people who have not seen Malignant who have not they don't know the twist ending. You know, this is what James Wan was warning people. Like, don't ruin the ending. So, I'm telling you now we're about to ruin the ending. So, you find the out. You the find twist. out. The twist. 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 <laughs> There's some corn for you. Um, Yeah, so, you find out in the beginning of this that Madison had a, essentially... Another fetus was in the womb with her that both fetuses absorbed together. So essentially, she had literally a face on the back of her head, okay? She had arms growing out of her back, and they looked at it like a tumor, like an evil cancer. cancer. Like an evil cancer that needed to be cut out because they realized that Gabriel was not something pure, and something that needed to be of this earth. So they decided they were going to essentially separate the two fetuses and Gabriel was going to go bye-bye, right? So they did, and Madison moved on with her life, didn't even have any recollection of any of that as she was very young. And so in the beginning scene that I loved so much of the boyfriend watching UFC that smashes her head up against the wall... (laughs) somehow it reactivates Gabriel who's been living a part of Gabriel was, was essentially pushed back into her skull. Like they cut off like the fetus, I guess, whatever you want to call that. And there was a little bit of the tissue still left and they just pushed it back into her head. So what Uh, we're being going to shove this shit right in the back of her fucking skull. Yeah, so apparently what they're what they're selling us is that like a little bit of Gabriel went back into her skull. So once she got her head smashed by the loving husband, it reactivates Gabriel and Gabriel comes back. So she goes on spouts of blacking out and Gabriel takes control of her body and he's literally opens her skull and his face exits the back of her skull. And so now the reason that the killer looks it looks so cool when Gabriel moves is because it's backwards. It's backwards. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the Tom green, Freddie got fingered. I'm the backwards man, the backwards man. I can move fast as fast as you can. It's like, it's like the straight backwards man status. So Gabriel is going and he's, he's getting revenge on all the people that have fucked him over and ruined his life. And she, Madison has no idea that it's her body that's actually doing the kills, but it's, it's her brother, Gabriel, that, that lives in her skull that is the one that's doing it. I think that is so batshit crazy that I'm on board with that, man. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I love that. I I mean, when it hit in the theater, 
That's why the marketing of this movie was so hush hush. They didn't want you to know that. And when it hit in theaters, I think it landed really, really well, regardless if you liked the movie or not. Again, because someone at the end of this movie in the theater that I was in, as soon as the credits rolled, stood up and said, that is literally the worst movie I've ever seen. (laughs) They said that out loud. Um, That moment hits, it lands because they they apparently have, they apparently have never seen Dario Argento's Dracula. (laughs) God. Or, well, I'm not going to mention other filmmakers movies during this discussion, but no, for real, it's, it's a great twist. Um, that's why the trailer is so minimal. That's why they didn't want you to know as much about this movie as possible. So they could surprise you the element of suspense and shock. And Hey, we're actually trying to give you something different here. It's not necessarily different because this is how horror movies used to shock and surprise people back in the day all the time before social media, before trailers would give you every single element of the movie, before the posters would show you all the characters in one image. Um, Back when you used to just have to read Fangoria magazine, hoping to get little to find out anything, to find out anything, literally. So, so yes, we find out this about Madison, and I, I love that this is a. It's very much like, it reminds me of so many things, but it it, it harkens back to the old school sensibilities of the schlocky horror movies that were trying to be serious from back in the day that most people don't appreciate anymore. And that's why I loved this movie so much. I mean, there are elements that are frustrating. I'm not going to make any mistake and say that. Um, But the moment that the line is uttered, so you want me to put out an APB on Sloth from the Goonies? I was like, this movie's for me. Yeah. And I'm I'm fully intact and ready for anything it has for me. And the ending is just batshit crazy. I mean, we have that jail scene we talked about, the fucking Terminator homage uh, in the cop station, which, by the way, I find this hilarious as well. I don't think anyone else picked up on this, but... Cop stations in movies are always so fake because if you've ever been arrested, they're always like tiny little boxes. And I think this is James Wan's version of like making fun of that. Like, hey, let's pick the biggest fucking most beautiful historic room ever. And it's totally empty except for a few people for a police station because no police station has a room that gorgeous. But it gives for a great setting for that fucking sequence. And obviously we find out. Madison's mom abandoned her and that's why she looks identical to her with the same fucking haircut and everything. Um, and the movie ends on a cliffhanger kind of opening it up for a sequel, which we yeah. know we are not going to get, but I love that that little spark sound. I don't is, know, man. It, it It's possible we could get a sequel because it seems like people are showing up to this thing. As far as box office wise, I have no idea. Yeah, but no, Jeremy, fifteen point fifteen point one million on a forty million dollar budget. That's not good opening weekend. It took uh, like second or third, I think. See, and- see, but again, if they wouldn't have have dumped this same day on HBO Max, people would have gone to see it. I would have gone to theaters to see it. But if I can watch it from home, busy schedules. All right, this is more conducive for me right now if I have the option. But I would have gone to theaters and and paid for it. So that's how this this streaming stuff is working. However, what's not being factored in is HBO Max paid them. 
get that They title. did pay them. They got a deal. They did get a deal for that. So, Who knows how much that is? I highly doubt it was as large as whatever the budget was here. No, but um, I bet you it was substantial. Had to have been. I'd love to know the amount, but I mean, in terms of what this movie's going to make back is neither here nor there. I think the important thing here is discussing the legacy of what this movie is going to convey, what it's going to give to fans. And Jeremy, I saw someone say this on Twitter and I, and I hate the fact to I'll quote them in some way uh, in a half-assed way without actually mentioning their name, but someone said, hopefully someday we can look at malignant and it can be some kind of Rocky horror for real horror fans. Like where you could go late at night, have a few drinks after like a wild night with friends family, you know, your besties and just laugh at it. And I laughed at this movie throughout where you found issue with characters being weak or underwritten or vastly underperformed, you know, for lack of a better term. I found it is just an absolute tongue in cheek. Cornball campy blast and with lots of great kills. I mean, dude, there are scenes in this where that knife, it's being dug into people's heads and there's blood splattering everywhere. And Juan has never done that before in a movie. And we rarely see that in big budget horror. So for me, we're going to, we're going to end out this review here with our trash hitter treasure it. Um, I'm going to throw it to you first. I think everyone listening knows where I'm going to go with this and they know where you're going to go. with sure. it. We just sure. got to say it. It's before, the official. Before we get to that, my, my, my buddy, Derek Troxel. <laughs> He sent me, and we, we were talking about the movie through Messenger, because I didn't want to post anything on my social media, because I didn't, I didn't want to have this, any kind of discussion about this until we talked about this, because it's one of those movies that people are out there heavily debating, and I think it's really cool that we have a new hot topic movie to discuss, right? Like, this is something that horror fans are just... We should be thankful for this, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. It's got people talking. And it's got these discussions flowing. And I think that's that's really awesome when, when this happens, that, that people have showed up for this movie, whether it be in theaters or HBO Max. Uh, but this is what my buddy said. He said, uh, the scene in the station looked like a butthole with teeth playing Neo from the Matrix taking out the cops. And when he said it looked like a butthole with teeth, I, I laughed quite a bit. And then he said another... <laughs> He said another little little quip about the movie. He goes, malignant, more like meh, lignant. And I thought that was that was pretty funny because uh, it's kind of me and him obviously <laughs> that, shared a little bit. That, that would be funny if the whole meth thing wasn't already attached to every other. Just saying, live on Twitter for five months and you'll see. Uh, I'm not way, on Twitter's. <laughs> way, I'm not what they what they call the, the, the sophisticated way worse, type. way worse. Yeah. I'm not at all either. I'm just I'm just trying to fit it on there. But no, I mean, like, as you said, rightfully so. And I, that's why I love this discussion that we had tonight. Finally, we disagreed on a movie. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, I feel like people that listen or have been listening to Brain Stew, they're probably up to this point. We're like, man, this this Jeremy guy just he likes everything. He just likes everything. Well, no, I I. Malignant was not one of those things that I liked. So, Justin, trash it or treasure it, my friend. I'm going to trash it. 
Yeah, and on the opposite side of the spectrum, I'm going to treasure the motherfuck out of this movie. Now, I'm not saying it's another nighthouse. I mean, this is not connected to any emotional tissue in my brain where I'm like, I can relate to the characters so much. I mean, this is by far from start to finish as campy, as schlocky, um, as tongue in cheek as it gets. And I love those kinds of movies. Jeremy does too, but it just didn't work for him. It worked wonders for me. I even watched it a second time tonight before this review, just to make sure, because I want to make sure I'm delivering the most appropriate opinion and the most valid opinion based on my own shitty, tiny little, I mean, maybe I have like a weird little brain in the back of my head that's connected to like some Siamese twin that was ripped off my body. And that's what's telling me what to say this. I don't know, Jeremy. Am I, I know I'm pretty not sure his, I'm pretty sure his, I'm pretty sure his name would be Tito. Uh, what's that mean? <laughs> Uh, Taco Supreme, <laughs> but yeah, for real. I mean, I, I'm going to treasure this. I'm going to buy it. Um, and I have to show the deepest, uh, amount of appreciation for James Wan for, again, like I said earlier on, he made Aquaman. It made like a billion upon a trillion fucking whatever the number is. And he said, yo, I'm going to go make a movie that pays love homage that. to all the movies that don't get appreciated from the genre. It's not going to be another Halloween. It's not going to be another, you know, fill in the blank. This is going to just be, like he said, a genre blender of movies that he grew up loving and just come at it. Now, he wasn't the only writer on the script. We know that. We're not going to get into the details of that now. But I think overall, this is a movie that I will continue to watch. And after watching it a second time tonight, 100% can't wait to buy the 4K Ultra HD blu-ray of this movie and uh and champion it anyway i can gotta listen to the score let's do it at the gym earlier i loved it so that's it i treasured it jeremy for once trashed something i think that's trash. a first right you, that's that the is, first that, time that right? is the first and and dude it breaks my heart to trash it because i do love james wan he is a master of horror everything that he's put out dude i liked fucking dead silence okay i like dead silence too man yeah I, everything I like it too Everything the guys put out, I've I've loved, and it hurt my heart that I did not love this. But not everything is for everyone. Exactly, and and I can't agree more with you on that. That's something that you know, Jeremy. You know, I've said since I've met you, and I've had to say on social media a thousand times. Uh, actually, someone commented on Facebook, the like I posted, I was watching the movie, and their comment was, "I heard this was shit," and I was like. Well, did you watch it? And they didn't respond. It's like film is subjective. Yes. And people forget to understand when they say, I can't believe so-and-so didn't like or dislike fill in the blank. They're missing the point and the basic understanding of personal preference and subjectiveness. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to tug on your balls and stretch them behind your back and pull them until they're about to snap off by busting your balls about not liking a movie. And to be fair, I took it easy on you this time. Nah, man, let me, let let me have it, bro. We'll see. But ladies and gentlemen, that is our review for James Wan's malignant. We'd love to know what you thought of the movie. Uh, in the comment section on this post, tell us, did you like it? Did you hate it? We know there's no real in-between with this one. No, there's not. It's kind of like a, 
yes or no type thing. Like, you know, back when we were in middle school or whatever, and a girl would send you a note or you would send her like, do you like me? Yes or no. There was no in between there. Was there? Was there like a maybe? No, it was <laughs> check yes or no. Right. You knew one way or the other if you were going to like get a date to the dance and dance to whatever fucking Counting Crows song they were playing that week. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. So we're not playing around here. That's it for this week for our epic film, guys. Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. We just want to thank you all for listening so, so much to this episode. You are the reason why we do what we do. And if you heard earlier on in the episode... We are still doing that Halloween Kills poster giveaway. So if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can check us out on social media at Epic Film Guys, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're everywhere. And Jeremy, where can they find you if they want to just like, yeah. You know, I'm look on at the po- uh... look at your posters and stuff. You know? <laughs> I am on Instagram, um, JT underscore pumpkin underscore guts, G-U-T-Z. But the best place to, to really get in contact with me is on Facebook. I'm Jeremy Todd Moorhead. Uh, that's where a lot of my collection stuff is. You know, I share pictures of my autographs, my collection, you know, different conventions that I attend. You with James events. Wan, you know, from the set of Malignant. James yeah, right. Wan. Yeah, so, you know, find, find, me, on, find me on the Facebooks and I'll, I'll uh, accept your friend request. <laughs> you better get there and do that shit, but... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much again. And until next time, I'm Justin. And I'm Jeremy. And we're asking you to keep it creepy. Brain stew!